What's good? Our people, our loyal citizens of Kingo Nation. Good afternoon. How are y'all doing today? It, it is a good afternoon. It's, it's sunny out. Yeah. I feel like being outside is not going to be a terrible thing right now. I'm uh, pretty much over COVID, so this is good. That's good. Got those That's Ronas out of my system. The bid. You know, I told those Ronas, I said, those Ronas, y'all, gotta, y'all better take yourself on. <laughs> I'm not gonna cut to me trash talking the Ronas and getting sick again. Um, Don't do it. Don't do it. Welcome to Two Dope Teachers and a Mike. My name is Eduardo Munoz. Your boy Kevin Adams. We are coming at you on a sunny Saturday afternoon in uh, December. It's December 5th. You will be hearing this episode by December the 9th of this week, Thursday, is when this episode will drop, so that's when you're going to be hearing us. So our conversation about how sunny and beautiful it is may have gone away by then, but just know at one point in our two dope nation, it was sunny and beautiful. Um, how you doing, man? I am doing great. I'm glad it's yeah. the weekend. Yes. yes. I'm glad it's the weekend. Made it through another week of virtual teaching, which is always thrilling and adventurous. It's so um, thrilling and adventurous. Yes. And so we're, we're doing an assessment. We are surviving the zombie apocalypse. Oh, using that's like my favorite thing. Yes. yes. So, so it's, it's really cool. And so I've been using Google Earth to help support the kids. So they've been exploring as they try Brilliant. to find their ideal location. And I'm saying, you know, and it's, I think at times this can be a challenging uh, assessment and even virtually, but I think I've found some other ways to kind of get at it. And so it's, it's been really right? cool seeing the kids like, I found this spot. I think it's going to be the right spot because it has this, this, and this. And, you know, it's the, there's a lake that's near the eye, you know, because yeah. I think Google Earth has really brought it alive for them. No, that's and, really good. Like, I taught that a few years ago. And, of course, I did no advanced preparation aside from let's look over this, print out some resources, and give it to the students. And then I realized – could probably be written a little bit better and probably needs like a little bit of, oh, what should we say? Supplemental support, right? Oh, yeah. So that's what it sounds there, like you kind of did. <laughs> that's, oh, believe me, believe me. I put a lot into this. I put a lot into this puppy. I'm kind of proud of it. I, that's dope. I, I don't mean to brag, but I, I feel like I, I was kind of nice with it. Yeah. I, I ain't trying to boast, but what what Obama what, what What Obama say when he hit that shot walking off the court? You see I that? <laughs> <laughs> I love how he talks stuff. Um, so we, we are here uh, coming at you as we are trying to get through the semester. It's good, Kev, it's good to hear that you're um, feeling good today because, man, I felt like you had kind of a rough week. <laughs> I felt uh, like you were busy. Oh, yeah. that's, that's what it's been, and that's how it's going to be next week. But, uh, yeah, because we're, we're – Well, and on top a- of it – yeah, we're like reaching out to communities. There's like all this other sort of stuff that we need to do to continue to build our school's capacity and, you know, and attract, you know, the kids from the city of Denver to our school. And so there's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff. But yeah, Kevin texts me, we're, we're going to record on Thursday. And he's like, listen, I've had too much Zoom. Like, I really, can we just, I just, I'm yeah. like, I'm about to collapse. And um, as, as humorous as an episode as that would have been, I think that we made the right decision absolutely yes. yes yes yeah hey if you're trying to get at us and get to know us a little bit there's a couple of ways you can do that you can follow us um on instagram 
and Twitter at Two Dope Teachers is our handle. Um, we tweet all the time. We always got a lot to say. Um, it's it's a super fun environment. I'm gonna shout out some cool people on Twitter in just a second. Um, you can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Two Dope Teachers and a mic. Easy for me to say. Um, you can also shoot us an email if you have show ideas um, or want to connect to dope teachers at gmail.com. You can also contribute to our Patreon and we will have an, we will have a little bit of a promotion for the Patreon. Shout out to our five new patrons for the month of December helping yes. us get this done. Thank Kev, how do you feel about this? People are willing to support this work. How do you feel about you that? Know, I love it. I love it that we have a community that's supportive of of, of this show and the yeah. ideas, you know, and, and we just started with, you know, wanting to capture conversations that we were having about this stuff, you know, and I think with the idea that it was important that we have these conversations and, and sure. that, and that, you know, I think it is really positive, you know, knowing that there's people out there who are listening a and wanting to support it. And so thank you all of those Patreon members we love you guys, Two Dope Nation. Yeah, we, do. we love you all for all the yeah, support. Anybody who's ever dropped a review for us or passed yep. us on to someone else, you yep. know, or shouted us out, you know, just just thank you. The love is real. Love uh, is real. We feel the vibes from y'all, and we and we, and I feel like now we just have the ability to continue to to build and expand the Two Dope brand and, right. and get this information out there and connect with more people, you know, For real. around the world. Absolutely. Um, also, shout out to uh, the homies in Japan, who are the second most downloading country, according to Blueberry Statistics. Um, we, we, appreciate, we appreciate that. Also, there's a rando, like, podcast player that in Germany that has us on there. And so it's What's got, up, like... Germany? Yeah, that's right. Um, what, what do you say? Uh, guten Tag. To our Guten German dogs. Achtung, because we be pushing some anti-racism uh, conversations. Yeah, I, I just want to echo what Kevin says. You know, uh, when we set this up, we weren't really sure what it was going to look like. I think we were going to be happy to get like, you know, $20 a month would be nice, you know, and just help us out with some stuff. Um, and we're moving closer to um, the goals that we have set. In addition, we got hopes and dreams, y'all. We got projects coming down the pipeline. We got things that we're thinking, man, if we just had a little bit more capacity to do things, like we could do these other things. And we just really want to um, express our gratitude to all of you for helping us to make um, to make those dreams come true. So super cool. Um, and uh, we will not let you down. We will continue to remix this conversation, right? On, uh, on race, power, and education. Um, conversation has been going for a while, but it, has, it hasn't really gone in the way that, uh, that we do it. So uh, thank you for, for your support. So um, also just a quick shout out to, so, so Kev, you know how I'm on Twitter, um, 87 hours a day? Yes. Yeah, yes. I spent a lot of time and, on Twitter. And you still um, have time to, to, to run and to work and to be a a dad and a husband so i don't know how you're doing well i'm gonna say that some of those things may be in question at this point but i think that um but i'm still I, on twitter i'm not gonna say which ones <laughs> i'm not gonna I'm say which still ones. on twitter um but yeah i'm still on twitter it's still there for for our people and uh, yeah so spoiler alert it's mostly me tweeting things um you know so if you if you ever get mad at something like don't hate both of us 
Um, although Kev, oh, they can, they can. I co-sign that's what I'm everything saying. that you put out. This there, is so. what ride or die means, y'all. I don't even know what you're saying, but I'm with it. But I support <laughs> you. That's what ride or die means. That's what it means. I support <laughs> you. So, but there's a couple of so I've had some fun. Um, you know, the last few days on Twitter, want to shout out um, our brother from uh, another mother, Jose Luis Wilson. What's um, up? Repping the Bronx. Dope, dope work for education. Man, I don't need to promote him. That dude is in line to be the next Secretary of Education, in my opinion. Um, I think he should be. So he, you don't need my promotion, brother. But uh, we've been trading Jay Z lyrics like all morning. So shout out to people who make Twitter fun. Um, we, we were doing uh, Diamonds from Sierra Leone. Uh, just yes. Jay Z's verse, though. You, um, you skip Kanye's. <laughs> skip Kanye's. Um, yeah. And then. Uh, so and then there's also so there's a dude who I just love. His name's he go his Twitter handle's D Line Co. I think his first name is Eric, um, but he designs these T-shirts um, that our friend Sam was laughing about my shirts and he's he's just like your Denver Nuggets T-shirts are so incredibly specific and I'm totally here for it because they really are because right now as you can see I'm wearing my Sambor Shuffle T-shirt. This is yes. a nickname given to the homeboy Nikola Jokic's uh, shot, where he goes out uh, that dad shot, that driveway dad shot off the back foot. Can't stop it. Can't, Can't stop, stop it because he's seven feet tall. So, so I had a dream that D-Line Co was in. <laughs> D-Line Co was in this. If we had a video podcast, y'all could see how Kevin's looking at me right now. <laughs> he's like, he's like, this is getting weird real quick. I, I, I'm uh, having dreams about. Uh, Nuggets shirt makers <laughs> that I have never met in person, and I don't think I I remember exactly what he looks like. Um, yeah, yeah, that's so, always the question. How did he look in your dream, or was it just like a an orb of light? <laughs> no, I mean I think he he was a white dude. He was wearing a he was wearing a cap. Because um, I know he's a white, white dude, dude with a hat. <laughs> I, I think D-Line Co has a beard, but I'm not sure. So Eric, yeah, if you that, that works. Podcast, that works. That works. Maybe it works. So anyway, so I'm out with my family, right? And I'm wearing my Sombor Shuffle t-shirt. And D-Line Co. comes up to me out of nowhere. And he says, dude, that is exactly how that shirt is supposed to look. In, and I felt in your really, dream. In my dream. Yeah, this is in my dream. And I was like, that makes me feel so happy. And so he chopped it up for a second. And then he, uh, then we went with him. Me and my whole family went with him to a local uh, swimming pool. Because there's... <laughs> <laughs> it's my dreams are so weird dude and this one then actually we went to is the less swimming pool all of us let's all go to the swimming pool. all of us let's go to the swimming pool and he took us through a really really excellent underwater strength workout um so this <laughs> is he does he also so for those do of you, workouts or yeah i don't know but like, I, well I don't so, know. so 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 the, the story's not over yet um so <laughs> So, so it was great. And, uh, you know, you know, and also I will say as an aside, if that dream seems weird and random and pointless, it's actually one of the least weird and random pointless dreams that I've had like ever. My dreams are so strange. Um, and th just because they're not about anything, like nothing. It's like my brain is like, what's this? Let's throw this out. Let's real just quick. Throw, this Let's here. throw this out. Gotta take Underwater out workout. <laughs> Underwater strength workout. It, it was really important to, that we note that it was a strength workout because that's what I've been thinking about a lot. So, so, I, so because I have no sense, <laughs> I tweeted this at our, at our friend of the podcast, D-Line Co., and I tweeted the, the, the synopsis of the dream. And his response was beautiful. He goes, LOL, that was real. And, <laughs> and what uh, a dream. So, uh, so Eric, D-Line Co., 
uh, give him a follow. His t-shirt designs um, on DNVR are really dope. Um, shout but out. Also, they are not a sponsor of the podcast, so I am not going to give more of a shout out than that. But D-Line Co., we see you. We love you. Thank you for making Twitter fun. We ready for this season. Let's go. We're ready for the season. Get you know, closer. and just as, as another aside, you know, so nothing went right for the Nuggets in the offseason, right? Um, you know, they're one of four teams that played until 65 days ago. And um, they will, like, so they, along with Miami Heat, Boston yep. Celtics, and yep. the um, hated L.A. Lakers, enemies of Two Dope Nation, um, and the, so, and we just lost all of our LA listeners. There we go. Wait, how do we get down to 2000 Twitter followers? They're like, uh, we just turned it off. They, they started like, that Lakers slander. They're like, we out. Anyway, all we have so to say is a built, not bought. Built, not bought. That's right. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I had to, I still have the brain fog from COVID. I'm like, wait, is that what it, yeah. So, yes. so, uh, so four teams have to turn right around and come back to playing NBA games. And, and the Nuggets lost Jeremy Grant and a couple of other players, and that kind of threw things in a tailspin. But I have a lot of empathy and excitement for this team, and we're not going to dig deep into this today. But does this not feel like we're about to see the NBA version of remote school? Nobody knows what we're doing. Anything right. could change That's at a right. moment's notice. Oh, my gosh, right. there's an outbreak. Like, who knows who's even going to show up to work today? And we don't even know what we're doing in any who's, of this. And now we lost a bunch of players. We just need who can five. play this like, week? The NBA Dude. is different. The NFL has struggled with that. The Broncos had their struggle this past week. Oh, with, man. Like, oh, that. And I was, I was tweeting at the Broncos because this, um, this is how you affect change in, uh, in the world is through uh, tweeting at people. Yes, yes, and yes. I was like, listen, first, there is a quarterback who is looking for a job currently, who I'm fairly certain is better than three out of those four dudes that can't play. And that's soul brother number one, Colin Kaepernick, right? So they, they didn't there. respond for some reason. Yes. Um, and then I said, okay, I'll bet Nikola Jokic is in town right now. If you have a <laughs> seven foot tall, 280 pound dude who you cannot bring down because his legs are like trees, <laughs> who can actually throw a ball to somebody <laughs> on a dime, why would you not just give it a try? Jokic would totally do it. We he don't want to risk do that. I, we, I don't trust that line. No, enough. I, yeah. That's but too he's valuable. too big. He's so big. People don't realize. Um, but yeah, I just think, and, and the NBA had a really great, like, bubble experience. It's not going to be like that with travel and with back-to-backs and things like that. Yeah. And so it's going to be a wild ride. Um, and we just want to say to all of our Denver Nuggets friends, and um, NBA players, um, we see you. We know how it feels. Feel free to hit us up if you want to learn anything about emotional and professional resiliency when everything seems stacked against you. There you go. There you go. I like that for a segue. That was good. That was All right. good. We're going to take a really quick break. And when we return, we will talk a little bit about evaluations and their effect on teachers of color stay with us yo what's up people we are back back how's everything did you are you still here y'all waiting for us yeah <laughs> we see you out there so um this week this week in public education in yes. the city of denver kevin yes. um we had a professional development that talked about a specific thing that um, makes a lot of teachers feel a certain kind of way in what a, was that in, thing? In a normal school year, this thing, when it comes up, it makes you feel uh, some type of way. To, it to, makes you feel some type a, of way. And for those of you... vernacular. 
I want to say really quickly too, because I had to learn this from some of my black students. When you say that something makes you feel some type of way, I'm gonna. So I'm. I'm gonna. We're gonna do a quick multiple choice for the audience, and then you are gonna give the answer. Okay. <laughs> so audience, when a student says, "I was feeling some type of way," does that mean a I felt really good about it, b I felt really upset about it, or c I just had a very strong emotional reaction. So let's pause really quick. <laughs> Write down your answers. There we go. Get another video, okay. please. Kevin, will you tell the people what the answer to the quiz is? The answer, as I know it, is C. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Some type of way, it could be, I, it's just a strong emotion. Like, I, I very yeah. well might want to fight you, yep. or I might want to holler at you. <laughs> yep. Yep, exactly. So yeah, and, and usually as teachers, the version of, of, of that statement that we hear is, this makes me mad. Like, I'm just, I'm just like frustrated right now. But uh, yeah, so just so you know, um, it's all about context. What is context in which you are hearing this thing? So Kevin, why do, why do educators feel some kind of way um, about evaluations right now? Because, you know, evaluations this year are very contentious. And as we pointed out, teachers are doing things uh, historical because they've never done it before. You know, nobody's done the, nobody's taught the lesson I did this past week, the way I did it. You know, nobody taught the lessons the way you have that any of us nope. have this year. And so evaluation. <laughs> nobody has failed at teaching certain things like I have, cause this is new. <laughs> yep. 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 You know, and so evaluation is always a contentious thing that comes up, you know, I think for all teachers, um, um, but especially in this pandemic and then especially for teachers of color, you know, and BIPOC teachers, I think evaluations um, in these times can create a great deal of anxiety and, and rightfully so because, you know, based on a lot of the evidence that we have gathered, you know, teachers- We did research color, this week, y'all. We did research. We did research. We, we did are research. so smart. And we'll we talk did. about how smart we are in a little bit. But, but based on that research, you know, it's clear that evaluations disproportionately, like everything, and this is what we have to understand when we say systematic racism, right? So as yep. we were talking and getting prepared, I was just thinking about all this. This is what we mean by systematic racism. Anytime you create a system that's going to measure or evaluate people of color, right? And it's, and it's put on everybody, right? But the system is going to be uh, harsher to people of color, right? And Wait a I minute, mean? hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. This is a hot take for hot a lot take. of people. We hot need a take. hot take alert. Hot take, hot alert. take alert, hot take alert. Hot take alert. So, um, Kevin, if I understand you correctly, it doesn't always matter how colorblind the policy is. It's going to land, it's going to hit different on teachers of color. Is this what you're suggesting? That's, that's exactly, I actually, I'm suggesting that the policy isn't colorblind. It's never been, and it's intended to hit differently on teachers of color to evaluate, because if it's any, you know, rules or regulations in our society that are put on people of color are always going to be more strictly adhered to, right? Yep. We're going to have to strictly adhere to them. You cannot let them out. You have to, why? Because it's the and, rules. And for white people, white educators, it's always going to be like, there's flexibility, right? Exactly. We're going to be understanding. You, you have different timelines. 
And that's how it always works. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it, it's, it's like that thing, because I think what, what you're suggesting is something that I think we've said on this podcast a lot regarding systemic oppression and racism and why we adopt an abolitionist praxis when it comes to approaching the systems that we work within and that in all transparency that pay us money. Right. Yep. Um, but, um, but best case scenario, we're saying, Oh, these are like little flaws that can be fixed. Right. But there yeah. are certain situations and there are a lot of institutions in this country, not only, are they harmful towards people of color and particularly black people? That's why they were created. That's why right. do we have, why do we have police? Right. Um, we have police because initially the first sort of law enforcement um, officers were there to prevent enslaved black people from running away. Right. That's right. So these, are, so these are things we have to keep in mind that best case, they are unfair to people of color. Worst case, they were actually meant to reduce the presence, power, and success of people of color, especially black people. You know, and I think that's a really good point. And like, like I said before, uh, off air, and I'll say it on air. Uh, white folks He's like, always I'll say it on air. White folks always looking for reasons to judge black people harshly, to Ooh. make judgments and and bring us down and make a judgment about what we do and how we do and how we're, it's not yep. right and how you wouldn't do it that way. We know you wouldn't do it that way. We're different, yep. right? Yep. And I think when it comes to these evaluations, at times, I'd say most evaluators, and I've even heard it mentioned, I heard it over the summer uh, as I was preparing for Leadership Week by leaders in our district who said, I was a peer evaluator and I'm looking back and I did things that were detrimental to black educators and judged them, rated them less effective because Absolutely. I didn't understand, I wasn't culturally responsive, right? And, and right. hey, I'm not, not a diss track, it's just a real track, right? This is, the, yep, this is what right. it is. This is what it is, and you wanna know how your system works, and the evidence is there to back it up that black, Latinx, indigenous educators, male educators, often, if they are the only ones in the school community, they're gonna be rated less effective absolutely and there's we have a good amount of evidence that kind of bears this out um we want to clarify something for our listeners right now who might be listening to this and maybe if they're in a leadership capacity or if they're in a policy capacity we might be making you feel some kind of way some, some type, type of way, way. <laughs> some type of way um so a we're not going to apologize for that because if you are feeling some type of way about this then you may need to reflect a little bit on whether you are delivering evaluations and coaching in an equitable anti-racist way however what we are going to say is that most school leaders across the great state of colorado are under this directive that teachers must be evaluated and i you know again i feel like we uh, i feel like we cheerlead a lot for our leadership but our yep. leadership said in no uncertain terms this week if it was up to me we would not even we would suspend evaluations altogether because they're, because we've already said that student performance data is not going to be useful. It's not going to tell yep. us anything um, that we don't already know. And in fact, it could be really misleading because of the, the unreal circumstances that we're in. The state has chosen to suspend, well, I don't know if it's a state, sorry, I'll, I'll backtrack on that. Yeah, I do yep. some research. 
But our district has decided to suspend the, the, the uh, evaluation of schools through the school performance framework because in light of this pandemic, and yet teachers are still being evaluated and will still be subject to the same uh, framework of evaluation that we always have been. And I just want to say something to that lawmaker that we all love and know so well who came up with Senate Bill 191 in Colorado. This is why you do not put this stuff in state law. It does not belong in state law because what you end up with is you end up with a flawed ideology that is not flexible and that cannot adjust to changing conditions like a pandemic. And so so we understand, and you know, Kevin is a school leader, um, and so we understand that this is something, these evaluations are things that have to happen in some yep. way. But what we're asking folks um, who are in a position to evaluate and coach um, teachers on their on their caseload, please, please, please do it in the most humane way possible. This is why we need policy change um, because, uh, because of all that. Um, we're gonna take one really quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna talk a little bit about evaluations and teachers of color and the relationship between a selective teaching profession, um, evaluations that may be stacked against black teachers, and teacher of color recruitment and retention. Back in a sec. We've had a really good week, thanks to you. We launched our Patreon about a week ago, and 36 of you have stepped up to ensure that we keep bringing you the content that remixes the conversation about race, power, and education. We have big hopes and dreams that you have inspired, and with your support, those dreams begin to take shape in reality in the coming weeks, when you will learn about projects we can now go forward with, because you stepped up. We still have numerous projects filed away that are waiting for your support. You can support by visiting patreon.com slash 2 teachers. Patrons who joined at the 2 level get a 2 Nation sticker! Designed by local Colorado artist Sham. Patrons will enjoy access to 2 teachers, hit Arlo and Kevin in the form of Ask Me Anything threads, throwbacks to old ep episodes, occasional Zoom meetings, and sneak previews to upcoming work and public appearances. Like there is already a new secret project that patrons have been told about. Get in on the conversation. We asked and you responded. We look forward to learning and growing with you. Let's keep remixing the conversation on race, power, and education. About the systemic realities that are making evaluations in the state of Colorado necessary in a matter of state law, which is garbage. Um, so uh, now we're going to talk a little bit about how these evaluations um, impact teachers of color. There, are, There's a number of studies that we have, uh, one from um, the American Center for Progress, one from Harvard, um, and then some articles that uh, we pulled from Ed Weekly and some other places like that, or Ed Week, my bad. Um, but we, so Kevin, I have a question for you. Yes. So... When you got evaluated last year, was, was it a good evaluation? Um, last year, um, I would say it was a fairly good evaluation, as good. was the year before that and the year before yeah. that 
and yeah. the year before that. Yeah, I get yeah. I get pretty good evaluations. I would. Say. You do. It seems like it's an ongoing thing for you. Um, yeah. What about you? What about you? You know, so I my. Uh, you know, and I listen. Not for I'm not gonna like bore the people with you know my my resume. Um, yes, but I was um, I was recently named Colorado Teacher of the Year. That's right. That's um, right. I yeah, forgot. I remember. I yeah, forgot. and and so I I think I think there's a suggestion in that that I'm pretty good at this. Um, kind of nice. Yeah, and so and then let's see. My last year evaluation was good. And then my one before that was good. And then before that, actually, let me, let me, let me check the receipts. It looks like um, all of my evaluations under the current system in our district have been good. So yeah. we want to point this out because we have successfully navigated um, teacher evaluation systems and we've been doing it for longer than the one that we're currently using has been in place. I've never had a bad evaluation and I don't think you have either. And even if we've had strained relationships with leaders, the professionalism that we bring to the work, the knowledge that we bring to the work is clear. So just wanted to say um, that. I'll, I'll, I'll say I have had one bad evaluation and it was from a peer observer. And you remember that day because I called you oh, that evening. yeah, and, that was uh, so she, whack. This person even... ripped, ripped me apart and said like, I don't even know why you're teaching, right? Basically, basically yeah. at like, well, but that's a that's a bad teaching. observation, right? And this person, I I don't know when the last time this person ever taught. I mean, oh, because because right? I had girls of color who were um, expressing themselves loudly as what? we were talking about imperialism. Yeah, that's a, it's a well, yeah, refugee students definitely. who have perspective on imperialism. Oh, and I think I know what students you're talking about, and they're so yes. open. And, and it was it was it was it was upsetting for her for this um, observer, how they were, how they were um, expressing themselves. The, the, this like is that. amazing. And this I got a lower score for that. So that's amazing. I yeah. Know. I mean, I, I, I had Stuff a peer observer, I had, I had a peer observer question whether I had any knowledge of geography um, because a student asked me, Hey Munoz, what's the difference between a bay and I forget what the other thing that the student is asking me about. And I'm of the philosophy that I'm not just going to tell you an answer. I'm going to say that's a really interesting question. We should look at that. And so um, this peer observer inferred from that question that I asked that I don't know anything about geography. That's why I didn't just answer the question. And so, yeah, you know, Kev, I felt some type of way uh, yeah, when I got yeah, that feedback definitely. because I'm like, and I would like to say, I am Colorado Teacher of the Year. And if I was more petty, I would put your name out here. Put um, you on blast. Put you on blast. Actually, we should do an episode where I where I put every single person that ever turned me down for an opportunity on blast, um, starting with uh, Teach for America, who turned me down that, 22 years ago. Um, you lost. Take that L, Teach for America. Yep, take that L, TFA. I whatever. Don't get Colorado me started Teacher on that. Don't get me started. That was their loss. <laughs> hey, and we we have friends who went through TFA. Um, yeah. so we we, yeah. uh, we, we don't hate y'all. That'd be our we, um, we don't mean this ep episode. Our airing of grievances. Yes, I got a real problem with you, TFA. <laughs> oh man, this might be a festivist Christmas. Anyway, so let's get back on track, right? Because because yeah. um, the people come for the silly, but they come from the for the smart as well. So. We have looked at a few of these articles, um, and we will link them on the show uh, page and on the website. 
Uh, so you can kind of take a look at them. Some of them are from this year. Some of them go um, for previous years, which indicates that this is a longstanding problem. What are you sitting with in light of these, um, these articles, which are all research-based? Right off the bat, looking at these articles, it was like not, it was like one of those things that happens when you're a BIPOC educator where you're just like, oh, that doesn't surprise me. None of that exactly. surprises me. All yep. of this is like stuff that I can relate to or that I've experienced or is not surprising at all. Because like we've said about the systematic nature of all of this stuff, you know, yeah. but one thing that stood out for me from that article from, uh, Harvard, uh, the Graduate School of Education, is that quote where they say, in focus groups, Black and Latino teachers said they believed they could better connect with some race students, and they embraced the need for the, those connections. Yep. But the work can be severely taxing, and teachers often believed it wasn't even valued, and that it yep. even held them back professionally, right? And so, like, just it it almost seems like to be an anti-racist uh bipoc teacher and to be culturally responsive to your students hurts you in the long run to to work to meet that's those right. needs of those students and at times that's even reflected in lower evaluations right absolutely like which i think pushes teachers out yes this is, you know, a couple of connections I made to this. Uh, one is a connection and one is a confession that I have to make here. So the connection that I make to this is I am aware of a principal in the city of Denver who could not believe that their teachers had gotten ratings of effective or higher because in this principal wor principal's words, this is a red school. How can there be so many teachers rated effective? And so it kind of goes with that really, really unfortunate and really tragic and really upsetting bias that if you work in a school that does not receive a, um, a high rating on the now defunct um, school performance framework in the city of Denver, then you can't possibly be a good teacher. Um, also, I heard something. I heard that the Colorado Teacher of the Year for 2021 came from a school that was a red school. Do you oh think my there's God. any truth I, that? I heard that. How could that be, though? Because How could if the that school's be? red, then that the school, means that bad. all the teachers are horrible, the students are horrible, students it's are horrible, a horrible teachers place. Are horrible. Everything's it, horrible. It's, it should be taken over and shut down, right? But yep. if the Colorado Teacher of the Year, who wasn't voted it, on by just like randoms, right? There's a lot of people yeah. that went into making Some this Some very decision. smart people that go into this and they still came up with me. Um, so maybe so, those school color codes, that SPF rating, yeah, maybe it's not. might not be all it's cracked up to be. I know yeah, some people and, think they've crafted something perfect because yeah. they have color codes, as we yeah. see. Sometimes, the some people nice. get big um, money for coming up with color codes. Man, I feel like we could have a whole episode just on these like public-facing performance evaluations. I will say something to uh, shout out our outgoing superintendent, uh, Susana Cordova. She came to a staff meeting that you and I sat in a couple years ago and began the conversation about the school performance framework by saying, there are great teachers in every school, and there are great things happening 
in every school. And so that was a really affirming thing. And I think people need to recognize that, again, these are the things that are built into state policy. And in order to change them, we have to be able to disrupt this thing. Um, the confession I need to make is that as an early service teacher, um, I, A, became used to pe seeing people look down upon the people I worked with and myself because of the school I taught at. I taught at a school that was an alternative school, which is now, they're yep. now referred to as pathway schools. Pathway yep. schools are the schools that have the audacity to look at children and say, you know what? We may need to carve a different path for this young person to become free, right? Yep. And so it's very controversial. But, you know, you internalize those kinds of things when you meet a teacher from a school that you know is in, is in, is in struggle that where students are struggling and it's a school with a lot of students in poverty and a, stu and a school that serves students that really, really, really have a hard time. I have to confess there were times I, I just didn't take those folks that seriously. I was kind of like, well, you teach it, whatever, whatever you know, school. how can yeah. you tell me any, and here I am, I'm still in one of these schools. It's still considered like a, a whatever school. And so it's taken a while for me. Um, and I think the podcast has really helped with this um, to get to know these amazing teachers and these amazing thinkers that are happening in these other places. But um, that work with students of color can be, it's a very heavy responsibility, right? Because like Kev, I wonder how many young people are going to look back and in a conversation of how many black teachers that you have, they will still say, because things still haven't changed, yeah. they will still say there was Mr. Adams and that was it, right? And so we, and so it, it, it's so many things that happen to us as teachers. We make career decisions based on this, where we're kind of like, man, if I go, then, then there will not be a black man in that, in that building. That's right. And, and that has to feel really real. So people don't realize that how taxing the work can be. And the research is all out there about how disproportionately black male educators tend to be kind of guided into dean roles, into That's student right. advisor roles, into Having coach roles. Or, or just overall, if you're there, you, 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 you are where disciplinary students are sent to. That's right. I can't, I've, I've had times, and I'm there to support my co colleagues, right? But I've had teachers be like, totally. this kid can't work in my room. Can he sit in here during your planning period, right? And because I empathize with students of color, right? And especially if you're having a hard time at school, yeah, you could sit with me. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, be with me, just hang out with me. If I see them in the hallway having a hard time, I bring them with me because it's better than you getting yelled at. It's better than you being left out in the hall for nothing, right? It, and, and it tends to be student of colors. And, but, but that is going back to that. And I, you know what it made me think of? A conversation that me and you were having with a colleague, I think one night, one day at lunch. And, and you were like, everything I do is really important. You're like, everything is a matter of life and death in my class, right? Yeah. And the teacher was like, I don't think that. He was like, it's not like that for me, you know? And he was a white male teacher, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, and so like, I think about that, like we come in with this extra emotional, cultural, like commitment, right? Yeah. That, that I don't know if my white colleagues come in. And I think that was one of the important things that was mentioned um, in I think the Michigan Chalkbeat article about what, yes. what you can do differently, right? How can we yeah. encourage um, 
how can we reduce some of this stress from black teachers, yeah. right? By, well, by creating a culture that everybody says, hey, we are all in this. We yeah. all have to make sure that our kids' needs are being met. Not just, it's not just on black teachers or teachers of color, or BIPOC That's teachers. Right. It's That's the right. whole community and everybody in this community needs to take it that seriously. That's right. That's right. And, th and that can be really hard to learn, right? Um, I, I just want to point out, that was episode 23 back in the day when uh, we talked about this. We talked about the, the research that we had at the time, it's probably about three years ago, um, that suggested very strongly that teachers of color enter the profession with a different commitment to the students. This is not to say that white teachers are not committed, but the immediacy of that work hits more deeply with us than maybe it does our white counterparts. And, um, and it makes me sort of think of that sort of, you know, uh, we haven't shouted out bell hooks in a while, but bell hooks talks about the beautiful the thing about Do working double OG. That's, that's right. Double OG, like the OG of the OGs, right? If you had, yes. if you had all the OGs in a room together, they would look at bell hooks and be like, that's an OG. That's, that's the OG a, that's level the OG. we're talking about. Right. Yes. Um, yes. so, you know, one of the things that Dr. Hooks uh, discusses in Teaching to Transgress is how one of the most beautiful things of attending a segregated school in the South was that 100% of her teachers approached their work as Black teachers with the Black community as with what she describes as messianic zeal. That, they, right. that everything was about uplifting the community and uplifting the people and uplifting ourselves and changing the world and everything that you did in those communities was what that was about. I want to, I want to turn quickly uh, just really back to the Harvard um, study. And then we'll talk about this, this Chalkbeat Detroit study that I think it's funny with all the political um, I, I want, I don't want to call it discourse because that is, that gives it too much credit yes, around, yes, yes. around voting in black communities like Detroit. It, um, again, it's obvious <laughs> systematic racism, right? It of is. course it's in so Michigan, wild. it's playing out this way. And in Detroit, like, it's playing literally, out this way. Literally, black people show up to vote <laughs> in three important cities. And like these racist people lose their minds. Like, like black people didn't do anything but vote. They voted. Like, just like they in the spring, that, that just like in the spring when them. black people are like, when black people are like, stop killing us, and the country loses its mind. Like, it, this, this stuff, it just never ceases to amaze me. Um, you know, so for myself as, um, as a Latinx male, yeah. I, think, I think it's interesting the type of relationship that I'll have with students. Like, I remember when I first started at our school, this little seventh grade dude came running up to me, a little Latino dude came running up to me. And I think he was just so excited that there was going to be another Chicano like in the school, that yes. there was going to be a Chicano educator in the school. And he says to me, hey, I had a teacher like you in elementary school. And like, we didn't like know each other. And, and he didn't have the words to express what that meant. Um, but he was so excited to see a Mexican-American Spanish surnamed um, yep. ad adult. And he, and like, and so he, he decided that we were going to have a connection. I didn't do anything. This, this boy came to me with this open heart and this like exuberance that I, and we're still friends today, uh, which is really dope. But you know, you look at this. So another excerpt from these findings. So, so if anyone is questioning these findings, um, th these are kind of this, this, uh, study that we'll put on our show page, yeah. um, you know, cites some qualitative studies by the educational trust, 
uh, Reimagining Integration, which is a project through the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Um, the results were focus groups of the 150 black teachers and 90 Latino teachers. Now, I don't know if that means Latinx, like male and female, or if it was uh, Latino teachers. So yeah, just yeah. a word on pronouns, I don't know what that is. Um, but they did this pretty in-depth qualitative research. And the, the part that stands out to me is Latino teachers often wanted to explicitly value Latino culture, encouraging students to speak Spanish and working to provide culturally relevant pedagogy. Colleagues often criticize them for deviating from the curriculum. And I mean, that goes without saying. So my whole background is in ethnic studies and history. Yep. And so when I come into these conversations, I often feel like what I know that the students will respond to positively, like people look at me like, I don't know what that is. And well, but, but aren't you going to teach me about the Renaissance? Like, <laughs> like, shouldn't they just know about the Renaissance? I'm like, why? Look at this mural at Bonampak that was done with plant dye. Like, you yes, know, yes, you being yeah. right now? But, it, but it's interesting because frequently my experience has been that what I set out to do with my students and the way I set out to approach things is just not comprehensible by a lot of white educators. And it actually takes me back to um, a training that everybody in our district received about um, MLLs, which yes, this yes. is the artist formerly known as ELL, if you're not the down with Denver jar jargon. Oh, it, it's Keep multilingual. Up. It's multi-language learners. Is that what it yes. stands for? Yes, multi-language learners. I because actually really not like just that. learning English, which I was like, that's yeah. progress. That's right. They yeah. are. We, we, we look at it as a deficit. These kids actually have more language capabilities. Well, and we have students, we, we had students from, um, from continental Africa who spoke like, you know, six or seven languages. Yep. So, yep. so English as a second language doesn't work because I, I can think of, a, of a, young, a young man who you and I both know and love who uh, joked about how kind of like, well, no, this isn't my second language. This is like my eighth language. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, but, but I think like those kinds of things are, um, you know, so as we were talking about MLLs and what MLLs need to be successful, there was no conversation, no explicit conversation about engagement and no explicit, explicit man, I'm so worked up, I can't even say my words. Um, no explicit conversation about culturally relevant materials. And those things are so key. How do you get a student excited about what you are about to facilitate? Um, and then that encourages them to kind of do the work. So, so I've seen that before and it makes me think of our friend Zach um, who taught at our sister school. Yep. Um, the classroom still misses you, Zach. Um, yes. We, we had a student in common, uh, students in common, it was sisters from Mexico. And one of the sisters had said to him in class, I really, really need you to help me get better at English because yep. I came to this country and I feel like I don't know what I'm talking about and I feel frustrated. Help me out. And he stops her and he says, yes, and you have to promise me that you are going to keep growing your Spanish as well. Yep. And that story just stuck with me because here is another Latinx male saying to kids, yes, learning English in the United States of America is important. It's going to give you opportunities. And you also have a beautiful mother tongue that you have to keep. You yep. have to keep it. Yep. If you don't keep it, I'm going to stop teaching you. <laughs> yes, yes. Just Which powerful. is what we need to do. 
That's culturally yeah. responsive. I mean, you get into and, and I do Spanglish with all my with my students like all the time, and they love that we just like we'll just we'll just banter back and forth in Spanglish, and it's just such a fun environment to be doing that in. And but you can tell that people look a certain kind of way at what we're doing when when they walk into class, and they're kind of like, oh, this is. But you know, and I think our school, being an international studies globally focused school, I think there's more of an openness to that kind of thing, even if it's not fully understood. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's yeah. what kind of stuck with me. So as we turn to this uh, Detroit study, um, the uh, this is from Chalkbeat Detroit from May of 2019. Study suggests that the deck might be stacked against African-American teachers in Michigan. Shout out to the sister Jessica Matthews. I um, couldn't help but think <laughs> about her the whole time I was reading about Michigan and Detroit. Also and, regional and, teacher of the year in Michigan. Um, another one. Which, another one, another one. We got to reach out to some of these um, black and brown teachers of the year. Like I'm on a Facebook group with them and there's yeah. some dope people. There's a dude, uh, Darian Cockrell from the state of Missouri. He was a gang member. And now he is Missouri Teacher of the Year. That's like, we got to get these stories because the stuff, the stuff that we overcome to get to this level of it, of exceptional practice, um, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. It really is. So, it really is. So, Kevin, Kev, what, so I don't know what about this study. <laughs> so this study, man, what, what got me, right, again, and this was more of the stuff that wasn't surprising. It wasn't shocking, right? But again, it raises this issue with evaluations, right? And it starts out um, shocking making, making this point. A policy brief by Michigan State University researchers finds that teachers of color, especially African-American teachers, are more likely than their white peers to receive low ratings on annual performance evaluation. Also Same more school. likely to get low ratings, men and teachers that work in charter schools, right? So, yep. so we have to ask ourselves what's going on where, where African-American teachers, in particular African-American males, are getting lower ratings consistently, right? Yeah. And, they, and the other important part about this is they also looked at academic growth, right? And academic progress. And those same teachers were showing relatively similar academic progress, but they yep. were still getting evaluated uh, as less effective or ineffective, yeah. right? Which is harsh. Like, do we have ineffective? Yeah. It's approaching. We have not meeting. Not meeting. That's what they call it, right? <laughs> and so they play these games with what they call it, but they do. Right? They do. I, and, and if I'm a black teacher, it's, I it's like everybody's doing something, but uh, something good. But everybody's also trash in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, as as a black teacher, and and we know we need more BIPOC educators out there. Period. We, it's Period. absolutely critical. Over 50% of this country's public school population are kids of color. We yep. know all students tend to demonstrate higher academic growth when they have a teacher of color, in particular, a black teacher. Yep. We know that being rated ineffective is one of these things that leads to teachers being counseled out of the profession or leaving That's the right. profession. And as we've seen it happen way Implicitly too often. or explicitly, right? It's implicit or it's explicit. And then add it up to do all the math. And if that teacher was doing culturally responsive things, that black teacher was trying to meet, those BIPOC teachers were trying to meet the needs of their students of color, and then they're rated ineffective for it, then they're saying the point of me even engaging in this work to help my people 
what what's the point that's right that's right yeah and and like the 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 stat that stood out to me and you know um so in, in michigan the the study also qualifies what they say by saying that only a fraction of michigan teachers about three percent receive the lowest ratings just in general but yeah. that that wasn't distributed proportionately or evenly among ethnic groups so the one that stands out to me the most is black teachers were more likely to get a low rating if they worked in a school where most of the teachers were white. And that is like, oh, first of all, not surprising, like even a little nope. bit, right? No, nope. but also it, it is emblematic of something important um, where, you know, it, it explains something to me, which is why when you have, particularly black teachers, I feel like Latinx teachers don't we don't stick together in the same way when we're in a building. Like it's, it's just different. Like I, I feel like when you see studies in Denver where there are geographic areas where they have large numbers of black teachers and they tend to stay there for a while and they tend to be entrenched in the community and they tend to become very influential in those communities. Not, not to say that these dynamics don't affect them, but it's like you have your crew, right? Yep. You, you just kind of like, you're not the only one. You're, the fact that you have your own style isn't as hard to comprehend, you know? Yep. And, and in that wider context, um, you know, it, it's, it's that kind of thing. So that, that's a fascinating piece to me that, you know, that sort of belies this whole notion that you can create an evaluation system that is somehow objective and evidence-based and colorblind because you can't. You absolutely can. You can't, you know, and, and that's why I go back to that. And I, I, I was very appreciative of that district leader who said, you know, I made a mistake and looking back and that's what it's about is progress. Yeah. And that's what, when we say black lives matter or, or really dealing with systematic racism, we could say we tried to create something, but we could say that we unintentionally did way more harm. And this is what happens throughout history. It's replete with these examples. Yep. The desire yep. to try to help black BIPOC people in our country uh, often harms them, right? The same yes. people who are telling you they're going to make education better for all kids to succeed are related to the same people that kidnapped Native American children and yep. forced them to go to cultural indoctrination centers, That's real right. ones, where they That's were right. stripped of their cultures and abused and, and, and had their heritage ripped away from yep. them. And exposed to untold dangers because their lives didn't matter. You know, like, you know, when I went, when I share sources with my history students about the fact that um, many of the boarding schools that kidnapped um, Native American children had to build cemeteries, that's, that's a, that's a, that's got this jarring effect on our young people because literally these schools were killing children. Right. And it's, it goes back to these evaluation systems and like the point in Michigan, like they said, that the percentage of black teachers from 2011 to 2015 dropped, yes. right? That they're yes. getting less black teachers, right? With the goal of saying we need more and more black teachers, right? Because of these, I imagine has to do with these ineffective um, evaluations, but it's not limited to that, you know, it's, it's right. the feeling of not being supported because that evaluation is where I feel like, am I supported in doing the work that I think is best for my children, for my yep. students, right? Yep. And, yep. and so 
when you keep getting that negative feedback or you keep getting pushback on everything you try to do, you're inevitably left with saying, well, maybe I'm not cut out for this, right? Yeah. And we miss out on amazing teachers who came in with the desire to improve the situation, right? And, right. And, and the other side of the coin is, is there must be white educators who might be less effective than their evaluations are reflecting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, and just shout out to uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, uh, Whitmer, who um, who suspended um, part of that state mandated evaluation system through legislation. Um, yo, we have a governor who maybe could do that as well. Um, oh, we do just, have a governor. We do. We have a governor. And uh, there may be something that can be done there. So you're go, governor. Of, hey, yeah. Real talk. Colorado legislator. Uh, legislature. Uh, oh, hey, it's very blue, very democratic. So you guys can make some changes. To it's this. time to change the game, for real. It's like it's, and we've been hamstrung. You're hurting, you're harming schools by Senate Bill 191. Again, something intended to be good to help people. That's right. But how many schools has it caused to shut down? How many yep. educators has it put out of the game? Right? Yep. Is that the purpose? Reevaluate, look at it. And hey, I'll, hey, here's what I'd love to do. I want to have a um, um, what is a a, pol a politician effectiveness um, uh, bill, Absolutely. right? Political effectiveness. How effective we can call are legislators, the... right? And we get to evaluate you on what you're doing. How about the le we can call it the LEP, the leading effective politician practice. That's it. That's there it. There we go. Because and I don't see y'all. Not... Yeah. Y'all yeah. slipping. Otherwise, well, because wasn't this the criticism of like the previous evaluation system was, oh, it's just a popularity contest. If you're, if your principal likes you, then you, then you just like skate by and you don't have to actually demonstrate that you're a good teacher. <laughs> and also the legislator that talked about, you know, that justified the need for this, um, for, for the, this higher accountability on teachers. I remember them talking to him and he's like, well, you know, I just really did this because I wanted to grow. And when I was a teacher, I just wasn't, I didn't feel like my evaluations were helping me grow. My brother, do you know what I did when I felt like I wasn't growing? I read a book. I asked master teachers in my community. I observed other people. I took ownership of That's my- That's right. You work hard. You Why research. You? I'm saying- He's like, I needed someone to tell me what to do. I didn't know how to get better. Bro, I didn't know how to. That's, that's probably why you're a politician right now, bro. This, Real cat, talk. this, cat, wrote a, this cat wrote a book about education. As well. Yeah, of course. Um, that's, that's man, about, but he, it's a good writing. thing you have to go. It's a, it's a good thing you have to go soon because otherwise we would just start dragging everybody right now. So the, the study that um, we also included is from, um, is from the Innovation and Policy blog. Um, why do teachers of color leave at higher rates than white teachers? So there's a really great segue that you made that I think connects to this. So it's a blog post, but it does link a lot of important studies, particularly in the state of Minnesota. Um, but there's a bullet pointed list that says, so, that, so there's a survey of more than 430 Minnesota educators of color to ask what the biggest obstacles were to retaining those teachers of color, right? Um, yes. Reasons dissatisfaction with administration, dissatisfaction with test-based accountability systems. So I feel like those two things are probably somewhat agnostic to race. I feel like most of the teachers I know yep. don't like that second thing. And yep. a lot of teachers get frustrated with their leadership. Yep. Lack of mentoring and support. Well, when we start looking at bias, like I was thinking about, I, I was thinking about um, 
you know, racism towards black folks in the medical system, pain threshold, right? So there's this notion that black people are just tougher and they can take more pain and they can take more, you know, and then we don't have to listen to their symptoms and see how they're doing. You should put up with more. So there's that, I mean, and I, and yo, to be fair, like, y'all do put up with more, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. hurt. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, that's exactly right. I'm not going to exactly. show you my pain, but it still hurts, you it's know? Still, that's and, right. Say so you think about it, you think about it, you think about um, which teachers, especially in a vacuum, right? Like you, you're, you're a, a coach of teachers. Um, and it can be hard to get equitable, equitable support to everybody on your team. Yep. So if your team is too big, and you're going to make some choices, maybe based, not you personally, but a coach is going to make choices or an administrator is going to make choices either based on bias or a lack of time or capacity of who's going to get your mentoring support and who isn't, yep. right? Yep. And as we know, there's, there's not a lot of professional love for black educators in this country. Like in, at the same time that studies are coming out that talk about the benefits of all students having teachers of color and black teachers, especially, there is still an attack on black educators throughout the system, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And you and I have um, have friends and former colleagues who have left the profession, and it just hurts to know that it they are gone. It's so the that I think, I think in this 2015 survey, it starts getting to the the things that can be very impacted by racial bias, racial isolation, like when you're the only one, um, or yep. you're one of only two. And lack of autonomy and influence. Um, I think it's pretty clear that a lack of autonomy and influence can be defined by your racial identity. Yep. Yep. It's pretty incredible. And so we'll, we'll link this one as well. Um, You, you started to turn in the direction of some positive implications. So what do you see as some positive implications of these studies of the last few years and especially like everything's amplified during a pandemic, right? Like, so we've seen inequities amplified. We've seen teacher burnout amplified. We've seen racism towards um, communities of color. We've seen everything amplified because of this global trauma that we're all experiencing. Um, But you had some positives that kind of had a way forward um, that, that were identified in these studies. I mean, other than that, people are looking at the information, you know, I think the positive is, is that we can say that it's time to, to, to reevaluate how we evaluate teachers, right? And what are we looking at? And, and, and can we create a system of evaluation that's more culturally responsive? It needs to be a responsive system of evaluation. It can't be created by white educators for right. white educators, right? For this expectation, if we're really and within the lens, yeah, and within the lens of white supremacy culture that that exists in schools. So you know, the first conversation we had about this on the podcast was with the eminent Joe Truss um, for a Bay Area principal who talked about how a lot of the things that we consider to be important in schools play into white supremacy culture. And you've been really beating this drum in our community to identify those things. So when we think of perfectionism, right? Right, when we think right. Of and that's the what an evaluation is. We have to do this now, you know? Um, when we think about, you know, the uh, quantity over quality, when we think about the worship of the written word, and there's only one way to be proficient in something, and the paternalism, the white saviorism, these are all things that express themselves 
either explicitly it, through the evaluation system or implicitly through the bias of the person that is um, that is working with that framework. Sorry, I got so excited I cut you off. My bad. No, no, but I mean it's it's you're right on. It's that same thing, and this is what I meant by when we think about these systems as they've been designed. They've been designed to hold black people back, uh, bypass right. educators. They haven't been designed to promote them, right? Because wait, so you're saying it's not a bug? It's not a bug. It's a feature. It's a, it's a feature. Right? And so if we want to get rid of that feature, we've got to right. come up with a whole new model, right? And yeah. so there aren't like I like I love that people are working on. Um, there's a, a a group working on evaluation in our district, but if you're just trying to tweak what is there. That's, right. and that's not going to work because that is what we call white supremacist culture in full that's effect. Right. And I, and I feel right. it. I experience it. It's always one way or the other. There's space for, I mean, whenever there's a box where it checks off, did you do A, B, C, and D? But do I always have to do A, B, and C, and D? Because maybe yeah. I do it a different way, right? Yeah. Maybe, and, maybe and I just maybe did A really well that day. A maybe looks that's very okay. different for me than it would for you. Right. Period. Maybe the relationship, maybe I'm saying keywords that you don't understand uh, that you might not always pick up on, but my That's students right. will pick up on. Like, yeah. I know this is going to make you feel some type of way, but we got to learn this. Right. And, yes. and, and we don't. And again, this goes back to where we could revamp it. We don't. There's no place in the boxes to give teacher credit for that stuff. And like you yeah. even said, a lot of our white evaluators don't even recognize it. That's right. I, they That's don't right. even know what it is. They can't see it because they don't know our culture. They don't yep. know who we are. They don't know why we do what we do. Right. Yep. It's, it's like, for example, I was in a meeting and I was like, they, they started out, they were like, what's the best thing you ate over Thanksgiving break? And of course I was like, my mom made collard greens. And, uh -huh. and, it, yes. and so then I tested them. I tested them for a reaction. I said, uh -oh. she put her foot in them. <laughs> I told her she put her foot in them. <laughs> right because that's the test that's the test to see i'm not going to say what it means right but oh, if you know you know expression. and if you don't know you're like why would she put her foot in it and how did that make it good she put her foot in it and it was good but again this goes back if you don't know our culture you don't know why we're yeah. doing what we're doing right if, if if i don't understand that a lot of latinx kids process very quietly right and, and sometimes they are listening very intently and they're paying right. deep attention, but they're going to be very quiet about it. Yeah. Right. If I yep. don't understand that, I might evaluate a teacher differently because I'm like, why aren't any of your Latinx kids talking? I'm like, you don't get that kid. That kid will come yeah. up to me at the end of class and sit there and yep. talk to me about what we've been talking about. This, and they making Mr. Mr. I was thinking yep. about this point you made and, and I just yep. wanted to know, you know? Yeah. When my mom's a retired um, teacher of Spanish and um, English language acquisition, and they had this really revolutionary thing that they did um, at the time, this is in the late 90s, of doing, of combining the efforts of English language acquisition at the time with AP Spanish, right? So they would do this kind of intercambio sort of thing. And, and you know, when you were talking about how some of our raza will uh, will interact with teachers differently. I think about a young man that she had in her class who didn't say much, but but loved to write little poetic passages. He would write these little things and just leave them on her desk and leave. And so she would come back and there'd be this like wonderfully written, you know, insight that this student had. And I think, you know, I think I think a lot of our white teachers maybe will have some anxiety listening to this episode. But here's the thing, what it really comes down to 
is understand that the young person in your classroom is is the person they're, that they're supposed to be and that they are already like they are ready for you they're ready to be successful right That's like right. they 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 need guidance on what success means in your space and yeah. they need the freedom to express who they are in the way that's most comfortable for them before we can push them out of that comfort zone. Um, but I think that's absolutely right. So it's so, and I remember a colleague we had a couple of years ago um, who is no longer a colleague uh, of ours and who a lot of our people don't really like anymore. Um, <laughs> this individual sat me down the first day that we met and asked me, so tell me how I should interact with the Hispanic community. And I'm like, so the fact that you're asking. <laughs> don't. Do, do, is, do a favor, don't interact with them. I would actually, I would actually just say, <laughs> exactly. I would actually just say, that is great. I would They're actually good. just say, yeah, maybe you shouldn't. It's, it's okay. It's okay. They have other teachers. <laughs> so okay. you just, 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 you, just give them the books and grade their work and take attendance. And try to be good. fair. And, uh, what, what no, 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 That's asking how do too I much. How do I interact? Uh, can you do me a favor? I'm noticing there are a lot of, Hispanics around here. So um, yes. if you could give me like a, just a checklist of things yeah, to so like, interact so what with. What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> no, but you're, abs you're, you're absolutely it's right. Like you I, you so, don't know. You don't know any Latinx people. You don't. I, they're I mean, people. It, so first you of all, get, like, you don't people. know how to get to know a person. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, hey, yo, maybe we've got, we, maybe this is a lens that we do not possess because being men of color, we we have had to make connections with people different from us constantly. And so Always. maybe that's why it just feels, what do you mean you can't do this? You can't get to know a person? Like you can't ask them a couple of questions. What do you like to do? What do you, what do you think about this booty lesson that I'm giving you? Like, you know, like what, like, how do you not know? And, you know, and, and, you know, the thing I keep coming back to when it comes to these evaluation systems is that some people need an opportunity to reflect and and address their biases right um yep. i had and i feel like i've told this story before so i'll be really brief with it but i had an an incident a couple of, a few years ago with some rasa boys that were in my advisement this is where the this is where those positive relationships are supposed to live was in advisement and yeah. one of these um one of these young fellas told his mom i don't think mr munoz likes me i just don't think he likes me and of course i want to be like troy maxson where it say i gotta like yeah, you. yep 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 <laughs> but because we all got that to toxic reply. masculinity in us <laughs> well, and my whole thing, yeah, exactly. My whole reaction to it was like, well, that, so first off, first I was, I, I felt defensive, right? Yep, yep, yep. Um, but when it was shared with me, it, 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 be, it, it was very clear to me that no matter what my intentions were with this young man and his friends, it wasn't landing correctly with this yep. person. Yep. If a person looks at you and they're kind of like, it's one thing to say, I don't think that teacher likes me. It's something very different to say that I don't think that teacher and I agree on things. I yep. don't think that teacher and I see eye to eye. I don't think that teacher and I think the same way, right? Because those yep. are just differences, human differences. But if a person feels disliked by me, like 
I have to really reflect on what I am doing to give that perspective because this is not a student that I disliked. And yeah. I think my bias when it comes to interacting with our, our uh, Rasa fellas, especially like our cis hetero um, Rasa boys yeah. Um, yeah. is that I saw so many of the, of the young men in my neighborhood not make it. Right. Yep. Yep. And so I'm hypersensitive to anything that looks like it's taking them off track and I would get mad. And, and you know, my spouse was actually the first one to call this out um, upon watching me sharply reprimand a, a, a Mexican American boy at my last school. And mm -hmm. I just remember uh, her looking at me and saying, you need to be nicer to that boy, you know, like, you need to show that kid love because even though they sometimes are defensive and closed down and guarded, they need yep. love just as much as anybody else. And That's so all, all that is just a roundabout way of saying that we need this as adults. So, you know, we, you and I were talking about the black excellence um, yep. initiative yep. in our district. And I don't know if any, anybody's talking to black teachers when it comes to what does black excellence mean for our black teachers in the district who are leaving teaching at a rate that is double that of their white counterparts, right? right? So what does that look like in that initiative? And I'm not convinced, some people need to change their hearts and are now capable of doing that. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you and I have some coworkers who have come a very long way yeah. in terms of transforming what is in their heart and what, and what they react to when they see their students. Some yeah. people can't do that, right? So I like, and, I, and generally I'm just, I'm not convinced, I'm not convinced that you can change people, right? So in the absence of being able to change people, there needs to be an ability to change policy as well. Like you yep. need to be able to say, here's an incentive if your heart is open to it. But here's a, here, here's a regulation that is going to ensure that you do this and that yes. you do not let your black teachers down. That's right. That's right. I think, I think that's important too, you know, yeah. um, when we think about all of this stuff, but I think it's clear you know, evaluation, teacher evaluation is very complex and it, right. it's, it definitely has an impact and it's impacting um, black teachers disproportionately and uh, thus impacting uh, BIPOC kids disproportionately because, you That's know, right. they're losing those teachers who are, you know, who are, are they're like, you were my favorite. You were the only one, right? And, and I think only one. heard that. You know, we hear it all the time. I've never had a teacher like you. You're you're just different. What's different? That's right. You're different. That's right. You know? Yep. As, That's as right. You're just down to earth. You can you, we relate to you. We can talk to you in a different yep. way. You know, you you care about us. You ask us about what we're going through. And like in my mind, I'm like, this doesn't happen everywhere. I I, I would hope that it's happening everywhere, right? That yep. our kids are feeling good and, and regardless of what they do, every day you show up, yo, I'm Stoked to see you. I'm glad to see you. You know, I love you and I care about you and, and I just want you to win. I just want to be there for you. Yep, that's absolutely right. And I think what you said, um, you know, as we start to close off today's episode about how there are more people paying attention to this issue and there are more people who are doing this research. And so just a shout out to the organization's the programs of higher education, the research firms that are tracking this qualitative and quantitative, um, you know, reality. Uh, just shout out to them for for doing this. And and so now what what needs to happen is that we do need to interrogate what are my assumptions about what good teaching looks like. 
before I go in and have some kind of negative effect on somebody's career path and by extension, the students who might benefit by having them. Yep. Most deaf. Most deaf. That was dope. Really enjoyed that. Um, so you can follow us um, on Instagram and Twitter at Two Dope Teachers. We're highly active on those platforms. Facebook, we're also active. You can see episodes as they come out. If you want access to um, some bonus materials, some meager bonus materials, some bonus access to the fellas, um, you can also check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash two dope teachers. Um, we ha are having some fun conversations on that platform. And if you pledge at a certain level, you get a sticker. A sticker. You, a, a two dope nation sticker. We know y'all people love stickers. You could put it on your computer. You could put it put on it. your water bottle. Yo, you could put it on your skateboard. Oh, on your look bike. At that. See, we yep. think in the same way. You could we put know, it on a random stop sign if you're still out there kind of thugging. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's right. And it, we're and looking it's at you, graph by, artist. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and it's done by a, by a young uh, a young graph artist um, in uh, Colorado. Who Shout out to Sham. Sham is uh, dope. Talented and, homie. Um, yeah, follow Sham on Instagram also. Uh, there's some really wonderful pieces that that young artist is posting. Um, so we we just really appreciate you all joining us today and uh, making time for us in in uh, in your day as we enjoy this day. Um, so just want to invite you all to stay focused, stay kind to yourself, stay open to things that maybe are not the way that you grew up seeing them and yep. stay supportive of your black and brown teachers right but above and beyond how should we stay kev stay dope stay dope y'all and we are out here you got this couple more weeks and you have made it through 2020 <laughs> that's right we're gonna be in 2021 and it can't get worse baby nah don't say that do not no, say that hey. do not say that <laughs> thanks thanks that's right it's hard to imagine any way that it gets worse. i think it's up, i think in like 2018 after the strike we said something like that can't get we did. exactly can't get like, well, worse. At least, unless at least next year we get up going strike Stuff <laughs> All right, before we depress everybody, I'll let you go and play music. I'm going to kick a ball with my kid. Y'all yeah, have good. a wonderful, wonderful day. And by the time you get this, you'll almost be Peace, y'all.